and welcome to the Graveyard Shift, the weekly horror podcast where we take listener-suggested movies and break them down into the good, the bad, and anything else we find fun and or relevant. My name is Mike, and I never work the Graveyard Shift alone. Please say hello to the devil's own bird, Michelle Bowser. Hello. Uh, Michelle, you suggested this week's movie. <laughs> That's not an indictment. It... You know, despite what may be said later, it's not an indictment. It's just a, a neutral statement. It should be an indictment. I I screwed up big time. It's not your fault. You're a Hammer fan. I'm a Hammer fan. Something just happened. <laughs> it's neither I, of our fault. This should happen before we were born. <laughs> yes, I, I'll tell you what. I, I know what it was. It, that movie is really scary. And it's all the 1970s. <laughs> that, 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 that's what happened. That is what happened to that movie. The 70s was a scary time. It, it was. So let's get into the specifics. Today's episode is Drac to the Future, because we watched Dracula AD 1972, where the Prince of Darkness is revived in modern times. Can he adapt? Well, in a, in a, in a word, no. <laughs> In several words, please listen to the rest of this podcast. No so one could adapt. <laughs> uh, I'm sure someone could. I mean, usually my bads are just like, I didn't like what they did or, you know, they could have done this. But a, a lot of my last bads are like almost like full on script revisions. And it's never happened before. Usually it's like they did this wrong. They could have done that. This it. But I felt like so like they could have just rebuilt this from the ground up. But Anyway, just a little information about the movie. It was directed by Alan Gibson, produced by Michael Carreras, Josephine Douglas, written by Doug Houghton, music by Mike Vickers, cinematography by Dick Bush. <laughs> it's his name, Dick You Bush. can't make that up. <laughs> and he works for Hammer Films. Oh my god. Gosh, the, the, this this these these guys should have been making the Carry On movies. Yes, it was just it was produced by Hammer Film Productions, distributed by Columbia Warner Distributors in the UK and Warner Brothers Pictures in the US. Released on September twenty eighth, nineteen seventy two, with a runtime of ninety six minutes. Starring Peter Cushing as Lorimer Van Helsing and Lawrence Van Helsing. Christopher Lee as Count Dracula. Stephanie Beecham as Jessica Van Helsing. Christopher Neem as Johnny Alucard and follower of Dracula in 1872. Marsha Hunt as Gaynor Keating. Carolyn Monroe as Laura Bellows. Janet Key as Anna Bryant. Michelle Kitchen as Greg. Michael Kitchen as Greg. Lally Bowers as Matron Party Hostess, Flanagan as Go-Go Dancer Uncredited, Stone Ground as themselves, Michael Coles as Inspector Murray, William Ellis as Joe Mitchum, Philip Miller as Bob, David Andrews as Detective Sergeant, Constance Luttrell as Mrs. Donnelly, Michael Daly as Charles, Artro Morris as Police Surgeon, Joe Richardson as Crying Matron, Brian John Smith as Hippie Boy, and Penny Brams as Hippie Girl. Funny enough, Penny Brams, despite being credited as Hippie Girl, is one of the last people in that uh, description, and they actually she actually has her own Wikipedia article. Wow. 
and it has a Rotten Tomato score of 22% for the critics and 40% for the audience. So, a little bit of trivia about this movie, and when I say a little, I'm lying, because I found a ton, but I will try to be brief, and of course, Michelle, you are free to interject. Uh, Carolyn Monroe has the distinction of being the only actor ever signed to a long-term contract by Hammer Films, despite the fact that, you know, Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, they were in a lot of movies, but I guess they were like case by case. She was the only one to get a contract. And she turned down the lead female roles in Hammer's Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde, Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell, and the unmade Vampirella, because they required nudity. And she also turned down the role of Ursa in Superman. Did, did she do anything? <laughs> She's done a stuff. <clears throat> In 2018, she reunited with her Dracula AD co-star, Christopher Neem, to appear in the horror film House of the Gorgon, which doesn't have a Wikipedia article, so it's somehow worse than this, maybe. Now, the character of Jessica Van Helsing was originally written to be the daughter of Professor Van Helsing. However, the death of Cushing's wife aged him considerably, so the script was quickly rewritten to make him Jessica's grandfather. And while the two present-day Dracula films both star Lee and Cushing, they do not correspond to the chronology established in the Victorian Edwardian films. Because the first Dracula Hammer film, uh, uh, Horrors of Dracula in 1958, is set in the 1880s. But this flashback takes it to 1872, long before the first meeting of Van Helsing and Dracula in the original, so goodbye timeline of decent movies. Well, we didn't need this to be in the timeline anyway. No, they just decided, let's take the good stuff, throw it away, this is now the new stuff. We're adapting to a new age. An age of trash. Yeah, they, they couldn't adapt to the 70s, that just, no one could. <laughs> <laughs> no one could, that's why the 80s had to come along. Yes. For the Black Mass segment, the film used the track Black Mass, An Electric Storm in Hell by the pioneering electronic group White Noise. All of those bands were producer relations, that's, that's my guess. <laughs> and uh, Neem's dialogue was later sampled by Orbital for Satan Live and Tension. Or was it Satan Live? Are you an Orbital fan? I never heard of them. Hmm. So, Dracula AD 1972 was marketed with the taglines, Past, Present, or Future, Never Count Out the Count. And, Welcome Back Drac. When it was released in the United States, a brief clip was played before the film in which actor Barry Atwater, who played the vampire Yano Skorzny in The Night Stalker, rises from a coffin and swears the entire audience in as members of the Count Dracula Society. That's kind of cool. Yeah. It doesn't save the movie, but it's still... I was, was going to say, that, that, that must make it a real letdown when you actually see the movie. Yeah, that's inviting more people into a trap. <laughs> that was that was a marketing scheme for sure. <laughs> the film was inspired by the story of the Highgate Vampire, a media sensation surrounding reports of supposed supernatural activity in Highgate Cemetery in London in the early seventies. So this was a uh, a response to the Satanic Panic that took place a little bit earlier in the in England than it did in the North America. 
And another piece of trivia, a picture of Peter, a picture of Peter Cushing's recently deceased wife, Helen, is seen on the desk of Professor Lorimer Van Helsing's study, which was, you know, really sweet. And the, the film was released only two days before Horror Express 1972, which also starred Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. So imagine releasing two movies and they're competing and probably taking box office draws away from each other. Because people are just like, hey, you're going to see the new Christopher Lee Peter Cushing movie? Well, I mean, that movie alone. Oh, did you see it? Uh, no, I'm just thinking that, you know, having watched uh, the, the 1972 one, I, I mean, obviously people weren't making good decisions. So I'm not surprised that there were bad decisions all the way around with that. <laughs> Wouldn't it be something if, if we see Horror Express and it turns out it's great? It could be. I... I mean, it can't be worse. <laughs> mm, I've, you need to listen to some of the other movies on the spot that we've reviewed on the podcast. Well, that's there true. have been I, few occasions where it got worse. I, I have seen worse. I, I'm thinking uh, Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee can't be worse. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, usually when you command people, like there are times where uh, they will actually just not do things if the script is bad enough, which means like this was still, this was within the realm of tolerance. I, I feel like it could have been better. There was a lot of there was a lot of lag. The the, the pacing was awful, and and just I'm not sure. I, I think it could be. It's hard to tell how much of it was in direction and how much of it was in editing. But there's there was definitely some some fumbles along the way. Oh, and we'll get into them. But there is still so much more trivia. Uh, Dracula's taunting of Van Helsing in the church, you would play your brains against mine, against me who has commanded nations. Like, it's, if it seems out of place and forced in that, because it's their first interaction, and he clearly knows it's not the same guy. Uh, if you're wondering why does it, why is it, why was it in there? It's because it directly references Dracula's dialogue from Bram Stoker's novel, whilst they played wits against me, against me who has commanded nations and intrigued for them and fought for them hundreds of years before they were born, I was countermining them. So they were trying to be like, hey, it's like the Stoker novel. You know, when Dracula's in the 70s. Trying too hard. Yeah. And this was the first of two films that Carolyn Monroe made under her Hammer contract. The second was Captain Chronos Vampire Hunter, 1974. That sounds familiar. And Christopher Lee was appalled by the quality of the script. <laughs> Funny enough, it wasn't the first time. There's a Dracula movie where he doesn't say a word simply because he refused to say any of the lines. Because he thought they were that stupid. Good for him. <laughs> and uh, it was actually renamed Dracula 73 for the French and Spanish releases because it reached theaters there a year later. Well, wait and a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We'll have to talk about that because there's all kinds of visual references to it being 72 exactly 100 years later. So that that didn't work. <laughs> yes, yeah. they re-edited if they just brought Carolyn Monroe in or uh, Stephanie Beecham just to like just say seventy three, 
over her line of like, this was, this took place in this, just like my father died and my great, great grandfather died in 1973. Yeah. And then also though, they and would, he was interred by Mr. Black. Right. And then also have to change the, the video because they would show the tombstone that had that etched in there. So <laughs> uh. that's so much work or, or they just decided we're going to do one thing and confuse the fuck out of everyone because why put effort into this movie? The director's well, didn't. Yeah, I yeah, I'm I'm thinking that's probably what happened. It's another marketing scheme that's trying to cover up the fact that this sucks. <laughs> yeah, and uh, in the opening scene, the narr- oh, oh wait, uh, in Johnny's home, the arches and the post on the left upper staircase and the doorway at the uh, foot of the steps are the same as the main room of Dracula's castle and Horror of Dracula, nineteen fifty eight. So they took a piece of that set to put it in Johnny's room to be like, hey, remember those stairs? They were so awesome when they were in a castle. <laughs> I don't think I certainly didn't notice. I don't think anybody else would. Have. Me neither. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, this may be fa- this someone may have just jammed this in there. It could be a lie. That's how unconvinced I am. Well, it could also just be the reusing of set pieces, and then somebody's trying to make cool trivia out of it. You know, <laughs> but it was actually just, hey, we need some stairs. This house needs stairs. Where's there stairs? Oh, there's some stairs in the closet. Hey, aren't those stairs we used from that other movie? Oh, yeah, you get those. That that kind of shit. Uh, And in the opening scenes, the narrator refers to the original Van Helsing as Dr. Lawrence Van Helsing. But his initials in the uh, first sequel were JVH. And in the novel, Van Helsing's first name was Abraham. And uh, Carolyn Monroe observed how Peter Cushing would retreat to his dressing room between takes. And before the film's release, there was a scene film that revealed the fate of Bob. Yeah, however, in the final version, the only reference to Bob's death is when he's discovered by Van Helsing. Because, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't add any confusion. He's a fully functioning vampire who has lured Jessica into a trap. And then the next moment, he's dead. Not a stake through his heart. Not uh, in a bathtub. Not anything. <laughs> he's just... He decided to just lay down and fucking die. Wait, did they did they die because uh, uh, Christopher Lee died? No, Bob was died? found. Bob was found as uh, Van Helsing was making his way into the church. Oh, okay, that's right. I'm sorry. Yeah, I. So Bob just out. died. <laughs> no reason, just dead Bob. <sighs> well, I mean, was there any reason for? Johnny to be this Alucard, you know, the backwards record. Why wasn't he Renfield? Why, why wasn't he just Renfield? Johnny Renfield, that would be why, why, that would I be mean, so much better. <laughs> that's who I thought he was. I'm like referring him to that. And my husband's like, that. that's not his name. He's got the stupid backwards name, remember? And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I bet you Troll 2 got the word nailbog simply from Alucard. They're just like, it worked for Dracula. You did it. (laughs) And uh, the words rest in final peace appear on screen before the end credits roll, which is kind of like saying the end before the credits. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. And not not a lot made sense. (laughs) And now the trivia is done, we would get onto the goods, except there are some goofs, because this movie is loaded with errors. So, Jessica refers to Lawrence Van Helsing as her great-grandfather. However, if you assume that this old man 
like she could like Lawrence Van Helsing could only be her great grandfather if you assumed that the old man knocked someone up right before he died. And like they had a kid like late in life and who had a kid late in life, then the math adds up. It makes more sense that he's actually her great great grandfather because Lawrence Van Helsing would have had a kid alive at some point before 1872 who would have to have a kid in 1900s to have a kid in the 1930s to have a kid in the 1960s or like the 50s to uh yeah like they keep saying grandfather but the math just does not add up unless human unless their family has some very odd mating habits and another bad, Jessica removes the book A Treatise on the Black Mass from her grandfather's library. However, when the grandfather returns it to the shelf, all the surrounding book titles have changed. The castle in Johnny Alucard's apartment could be used for three months. In, yeah, the calendar could be used for three months in the year 1972, but in September, when the action takes place, is not one of them. See, the action takes place over a Friday-Sunday in September 1972, and on Friday night, Jessica says Lawrence Van Helsing died September 18th, 1800 years ago, but, on, that, was that, but that Friday in 1972 was September 15th. So, when people were making this movie, they couldn't even figure out a calendar. Well, maybe it worked for the 73 version. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. And the yellow carriage spoke that punctured Dracula's heart in the opening scene, which uh, Johnny placed into the ground with Dracula's ashes. Funny enough, the paint job seems to have lasted pretty fucking good for a hundred years of London weather. Yes. Because it's still got the yellow paint on there. It hasn't been eaten by any insects. Hasn't been kicked over by kids who probably would have run around a church. You know how many kids are bored at a church, especially like during funerals, they'll be running around outside? You think they don't see a stick in the ground that they're not going to like kick it around, do shit? And another one that I sent to you because it was just too fucking good to pass up was in the closing credits, Professor is spell is misspelled. <laughs> you know, in England, the country where English is named after and they fucked up Professor by giving it two F's. And another good one is when Van Helsing enters the cathedral in the final showdown, you can see construction workers behind watching the filming. <laughs> and when Johnny collapses into the bathtub, the drain is clearly open when he falls into the tub, and yet it still fills up and he drowns in it. I missed that one. Yeah. Okay, so... Now we can finally get on with the goods of this movie. As always, we uh, start with the goods, and we start with me. My first good is the excellent action in the cold open with the narration and two enemies locked in just mortal combat, rolling over, uh, rolling over a carriage, Dracula getting impaled on a wagon wheel, Van Helsing succumbing to the stress of the battle due to his old age, and they're, they're both of them, like they cancel each other out, they're both dead. And then some Weasley Renfield looking motherfucker walks up, gathers the ashes, and the Dark Ones ring as Helsing is laid to rest. The Renfield looking bastard lays the ashes beside the hollow ground. Then we pan to the sky, which cuts to a plane in the sky. We are now in, in the new century with blood red gothic font and what can only be described as generic 1970s street funk. 
Oh, it was just terrible disco. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is your first good? Oh, that's it. That should have been the movie. It should have ended right at the airplane. <laughs> that was that that kill scene was excellent. That the wagon wheel get the both. That was just that was amazing. <laughs> it certainly was. And and it really made the rest of the movie a huge letdown. Yeah, it's like, hey, remember all this awesomeness that you're used to? Well, this is the last you're going to see of it. And the best part is, because of the because of the year that we've ascribed to it, it completely nullifies the continuity of all those other great movies you loved. Here's ten seconds of good movie. Now you're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully that's not your only good. Uh, no, but there's not much more. <laughs> Me neither, but let's just... <laughs> Let's try to be gracious first before we first the carrot, then the stick. Okay. Okay. So what is like, you agree with my first good, but what is your first good? Um, well, that, that was mine. Uh, after that, I would have to say, uh, it's really Christopher Lee, every face that he makes. He's the master of faces and he didn't let down the, the, it was worth it to see the expressions that he made. <laughs> oh, especially when he like when he drains that that hippie, the uh, 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 and his eyes go name? bloodshot. Um, Gainer, I think when he so. bites when he bites Gainer after it's clear that she's been doing drugs all night because she's like in a fucked up stupor. She's like touching her face. So when Dracula drains her, and then we see him just like staring off like a cat on nip. Yeah. <laughs> After he bites her, I'm just like, he's fucking tripping. This is great. Definitely. Uh, conversely, my good is Peter Cushing. He's awesome as past Helsing, and he's good as modern Helsing with an asterisk. And like I, when I say that asterisk, it'll be revealed in the other section. But it won't be because of Cushing's performance. Like, there's a problem with the character, but it's not Peter Cushing, because... When he's old Helsing, he's fucking great. Yeah. So what's your next good? Oh, oh, I really loved there was a scene there was a scene when they're running into the, the cavern. Uh after he's looking for when uh Peter Cushing is looking for Jessica and he's running in yeah. and he runs right past a dead guy in a dumpster. Who we would assume is the guy that ran the cavern, that nightclub. But he just runs right past him. Just doesn't even notice. And and, and I just, that was just, it was just epic. It just runs right past him. It was wow. hilarious. I only noticed the cop. I thought he was running to, I thought he was going to like smash a window, but then he sees the cop and he's like, guess I'm going to sneak in the back. Yeah. And he goes in the back and there's a dead the guy in the dumpster and he just runs right past him. That would explain him. what, that would explain why the cop's there. Yeah. <laughs> It wouldn't explain why the body's not, why the, why the whole alley's not sealed off while, while an inspector, you know, gathers evidence and shit. Well, you know, it was the 70s, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my next good is, uh, well, there were good aspects of the party at the beginning where all the kids are claiming to be masters of the police response time. And uh, the 70, the 60s girls... I say 60s, even though it's the 70s, but, you know, they looked like sometimes it. They clothing were dressed style. like it, yeah. 
Yeah, they were dressed like 60s girls. Yeah. And they were just stunning. Uh, I love the old ladies being flabbergasted by the music and like the, the liberated girls. And the old men are just like checking out the young blood and being dirty, filthy men. And uh, one guy, Joe, who I don't know why he's in this movie. He looks like Jesus Christ Superstar if he was played by Lip Gallagher from Shameless. He, 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 like, fit in. It looked like if they were just, like, singing some songs from Jesus Christ Superstar, that would have that would have rocked. Anything would have been better than that band. Oh. Oh, that band. He, yeah, that band was of, terrible. All I could think of was that uh, from Dust Till Dawn, Tom Savidi's character says, let's kill that fucking band. I was like, please, please let the vampires come and eat this band. And it, it didn't happen. It was so disappointing. <laughs> It, we'll, we'll get to the band and the bad. <laughs> oh, funny enough, a little bit of trivia. I don't know if I said it before, but originally, the uh, the first group that was slated to be the performing band in the movie was Faces, who I never heard of, but apparently the uh, Rod Stewart was the uh, the front man. He was the, uh, the lead vocalist for the group. And I would have fucking loved to see Rod Stewart performing instead of whoever that fucking guy was it would have had to have been better he certainly couldn't have been worse even if it's just like oh this is like unpolished rod stewart like i'm I'm pretty sure he would still have had like some better stuff so what is your next good um in van helsing's office there is a sketch on the wall that is just awesome you know, there's the painting mm. of his grandfather, and then there's a sketch of like Dracula, but it's it's kind of it's it's not very true to form. It's sort of monstrous, but it has a really cool sketch. Oh yeah, it, it's kind of like uh, yeah, Dracula. If he was also kind of like Dracula, but played by Boris Karloff. Yeah, yeah. So my next good was. Uh, when uh, when Alucard raises Dracula, and he goes, "I did it, Master! I summoned you!" and no gratitude at all, Dracula's like, "It was my will," and then he just shows the ring, like, "Kiss the ring, bitch!" <laughs> and he's back to life for a minute, and he's flexing like a boss. <laughs> and then he sees Laura. He he bites her. And he's just immediately got, like, the bloodshot eyes and the blood drooling down his chin. It's always a good sight to see. And Laura looks like she's digging this bite. Uh, although it doesn't really seem to be working out for her. I, I, I don't know if I like or hate the idea of, like, women almost, like, getting off from having their jugular vein bit. It's like, I understand like a little, a little biting, like some late, like a little biting during frisky times is good, but it's like, we're drawing blood and clearly my intent is to murder you. And you're just like, oh. Yeah. Supposedly though, that's part of like the spell, you know, why they just, you know, it puts them under the spell. So why they just stand there and let it happen. And then it's assault. It's like part of that whole spell thing. So, so at least they die happy. (laughs) I guess. I guess, like, if they started screaming and struggling, that would really... I mean, like, if you're only trying to, like, keep your mouth latched onto two two points, and she's, like, kicking and screaming, it's hard to get a good seal to suck the blood, so... Right, You gotta yeah. be able to keep them enthralled after. Okay. I retract my criticism. You made a good point. So what's your next good? Um, 
I, I don't. My, my next good was only it. Back to the the Christopher Lee and his faces. I'm pretty sure that this was the inspiration for Nick Cage's faces in Vampire's Kiss. I'm pretty sure he was trying to imitate that. So that's my next good. There was some future good that came out of it. Well, future good in quotes. Yeah, well, I mean, (laughs) that was hilarious, though. The faces are always good. You think he would have looked up like Horse of Dracula, but if he did, he would have been like, no, it's too hard. It's just too hard. <laughs> okay, well, we got a movie that took place about like 15 years later. Okay, cue it up. That. I can definitely do that. Yep. <laughs> and uh, my next good, simply for me, is Jessica's see-through nightgown. Yeah, you don't see like full-on uncaged nips in this movie, but thanks to some shrill, thanks to some very well-spaced lace, uh, you got something in this movie if you're handy with the pause button. <laughs> Hey, with all the stuff, with all the bads that's going to be in this movie, a little yeah. movie is appreciated. Well, that's that's about all. They they should have had more. They should have had more because they needed something. Oh God. Oh, uh, definitely. If the ladies are doing the black mass and then they just like take their shirts off and Jessica's the only one, like, oh no, I don't. I'm not into this. Like at least, like l- let's see, Gainer and uh, you know Carolyn Monroe was the other friend, so and she had a no nudity clause in her movie, so. They were probably thinking about it, but she's like, if she's not taking off her boot, if she's not showing her cans, why should I? And then everything was just like, ugh. Well, I'll tell you what. This is a real, real conversation, real thing that happened after the movie. I, I said to my husband, I looking at all of the hideous men in that film, I said, there just were no... There were no hot guys in the 70s, were there? And I actually had like a group text with some of my girlfriends. And I I said that there were no hot guys in the 70s. Changed my mind. And it turned into a whole thing that lasted all night. This long conversation trying to find. It was just, they were all hideous. It was just terrible. Burt Reynolds? Well, he kind of peaked no, in the 80s, didn't Well, he? not for me. Not for me. I, I, Yeah, everyone, all my friends had at least one person that the only ones we could come up with were people that were in movies that did not... They were filmed in the 70s, but they didn't take place in the 70s. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, my final good is... uh, We get to see the rematch that spanned a century. Like, as soon as... like we At the end, we finally get to see Helsing Jr., Jr., really Jr., fight dracula and dracula is just like he was just like down to end this guy's bloodline and the other guy's just like finally i get to fulfill my family legacy so there was a bit of build-up not saying the payoff was great but again i'm trying to find some positivity and the final battle was kind of exciting even though like it was clearly two old people past their prime (laughs) so it was almost as as bad as obi-wan and darth vader's lightsaber battle oh that was was supposed to be master (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that, that was epic. This was just, this was so unbelievable. I mean, not only is it old, but Dracula's supposed to have like extra power, and Peter Cushing just looks like you darkness. could blow him over with a snowball. Yeah, Peter Cushing, he's like gaunt. He looks, well, Peter Cushing's always been surprisingly physical. Like, even in the Dracula 1958, when he hears the scream and he just, he vaults, he just skips the entire stair set. He, like, grabs the side banister from the floor and vaults himself up to the landing. He skips all the steps. And I'm like, this guy, Peter, I've never seen Peter Cushing not look old. 
He, it's like yeah. he was born at he was born <laughs> at fifty five. <laughs> yeah. And to see him like so skinny, like you think he'd be weak and slow, but when he vaults those steps in Dracula, it was just like this guy is incredibly spry. So like he did look gaunt and weak, but still put up a good account of himself, even though this was like much, much later and he had endured a terrible personal loss, which took a toll on him. So it wasn't as dynamic as other fights, but you know, they did fight, so again, I'm I'm desperate for goods at this point. Yeah. I just wanted to my, I didn't my, want to get I didn't want to pile on this movie. He tried. My list is exhausted. My good list is exhausted. I just... uh, same here. So <laughs> Let, let's get to the real meat of this episode, the bad. And since I started the good, my guest always gets to draw first blood. What is your first bad? Uh, well, as soon as they got to the 70s, this was just, that was just awful. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I know I, I'm even trying to take into account that it's the 70s and it's not the greatest aesthetic Oh, that was that was bad music for the 70s. That was bad fashion for the 70s. That was bad everything for the 70s. And that, you know, Johnny Alucard, who should have been Renfield, is was it seemed like they were trying really hard to make him like discount Malcolm McDowell in a clockwork orange. It Yes, it, that's what I kept thinking. Like, <laughs> this guy's reminding me of something so much better. Yeah. It was just awful. <laughs> and oh, like, at one what point, up, you hit cats? Well, let's go have a black mask, my drogues. Yeah. It's like, Rick. oh, it was bad. And at one point, and the fashion was so bad. I mean, 70s fashion isn't known for being great. But at one point, Stephanie Beecham had on this like bonnet thing that just, I, I don't know. I wouldn't have put that on a doll when I was a kid in the 70s. I mean, that was just hideous. The stuff she was wearing in the 70s looked like refuse from the 60s. Yeah. Not good hand-me-downs, but stuff that even the 60s were just like, okay, that was a misfire. Let, let's get onto some flowers, some go-go patterns. and. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was bad. So that my first bad is the the whole aesthetic. I think the wardrobe department was just like, we need to get the cheapest hand-me-downs we can get. So they went to the Sally Ann or whatever the equivalent was in Britain. So they got like 10-year-old clothes that people wouldn't be keeping. Yeah, just leftover, leftover shit from the last movie that didn't go anywhere. <laughs> Uh, my next, my first bad is while well, the lead singer of Stone Ground, he's he he sounds like a discount Mick Jagger, which was a acceptable, but his female backup were just yelling over each other, and it's indistinctive noise. Oh, it was so awful. They're all like, and I'm like, you have an entire backup group, and they just sing one sentence. Like, just have them dancing in the background and just have them be quiet. They're not good singers. And and like, they kept showing them. And they all looked vaguely because dirty. Because they're pretty. Because they're pretty. They're, they're unwashed. But, you know, they, they, they look like they could have cleaned up nicely. But they they they, they, they never do. No. <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> they never do. The, they're like late 70s kids who never grew. They're like late 70s. Yeah, it's late 60s kids, basically. Who are they're just like, hey, remember when we got by without showering because we were still kind of hot? Let's just keep rolling with that. Yeah. Yeah. It was way past their prime. 
Uh, what's your next bad? Uh, let's see. Oh, the the blood, the fake blood. Oh, that was the worst <laughs> Which fake time? blood I've ever seen. <laughs> Every time. But they, but they used the, the, the same mixture of... I, I don't know what that was, but it didn't look anything even remotely close to blood. It wasn't... The blood in the chalice scene looked like baking soda with red dye in it. Like yeah. someone just put baking soda and vinegar with red food coloring in it. And then later on, when Johnny Alucard's just like, oh no, see, that was a, that was a blood capsule. And he takes like a little red pill and it and just no- turns... It, it's fucking Kool-Aid. It turns, yeah. a, it turns a decanter of water into Kool-Aid. And nobody's just like... That is see-through. What we saw coming out of your wrist during the Black Mass was was thick, viscous red stuff. And also, let me just see your arm so I know that you didn't actually cut it with a knife. Like, nobody asks the fucking basic questions regarding any bloodshed. If, if, if that, the thickness of it, for one thing, if that was pumping through your veins, you, <laughs> you wouldn't be able to get it through. <laughs> It's like you would have like basically you would have the blood consistency of molasses. It was chilly, <laughs> thick chili. Oh, <laughs> it, it was. Yeah, I agree. Like every instance of blood in this movie was fucking awful, except when it's on Dracula's lips. Like whoever did. Yeah. Like part of the makeup is fine, but when you're just like, hey, let's slit this guy's wrist and pour it into a chalice. All right, uh, let's just, just make. <laughs> Yeah, they should have just melted it, that lipstick, whatever it was. It was like a fucking science fair volcano. Yes, that is exactly what it looked like. That is exactly what it looked like. <laughs> uh, my next bet is when they show up to the church and Jessica says, oh, I don't think anybody's here yet. Like, you wouldn't see their cars. And also, I doubt that this group of fucking chuckleheads could ever keep quiet. Like, you would hear them in the church. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what's your next bad? Uh, well, my next bad is, is a bit of a thread throughout the whole movie. <laughs> but um, the fact that Peter Cushing's character, Van Helsing, was never a suspect in all these murders. I mean, he had knowledge. <laughs> he had knowledge that only the killer could have. He was the one that came up with this warped idea that there's a vampire running around, that the police don't believe him, but somehow they take him seriously anyway. That that was and he knows he, he knows all these things. He's always there at the right time. He and his granddaughter's involved. His granddaughter's like a person of interest in all of this stuff. All of this stuff, and yet he's never a suspect. Oh, he's at the murder scenes. He you know, the police show up and he was right there right after and he's never a suspect not once there was just that was so much old white guy privilege rich guy privilege it was just ridiculous if you help the police once with a crime you're automatically on their friend list that's why hannibal lecter got away so much in the movie red dragon norton just showed up to his house and he's just like hey doc can you help me more with about with these cases and he's like sure let me just put away this this aristocrat for that I've got in my fridge, and uh, I'll be right there with you. And and the police even, you know, they told him flat out, oh, we think you're crazy, but tell us what to do and we'll do it. And they would just do it. Well, what what the hell is that? We think you're, <laughs> we think you're completely, completely knackers and we're not gonna, we're not gonna take you seriously, but tell us what to do and we'll do it. And then they went off and did it. I, I just... <laughs> We keep talking about like, because, well, uh, you know, the the, indis- the never shown police chief 
Because the inspector's just like, yeah, if I can't get my chief to sign off on this, my chief wouldn't believe this. It would be good if the chief showed up and he was an antagonistic force. Like, he's looking at all the evidence and he goes, wait a second, this is a cult in nature. Helsing knows occult stuff. He's asked you questions that were not released to the press. Like, is there a reason we're not putting him on our list? And his granddaughter's involved. (laughs) And he's always there. Yeah, his granddaughter would would clearly be viewed as a honey trap to like lure people in for these occult sacrifices. Like, exactly. there should have been at least like some period of suspicion, even if it was a couple of minutes. Yeah, she's the only she's the only female in the group that isn't murdered yet. Uh, you know, I guess well, there, there was, was that one. one. Yeah, there was up, the one who knew where Johnny's who, apartment was, who lied to the police. She's the only yeah, other one she, that survived. She disappears because she doesn't matter, just like fake Jesus. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he, remember how he was important to the story? Like, he's the first, the camera's following him around at the party. Like, he's like, he's like one of the key focuses of the movie until Jessica shows up. Then he's a side character, and you think, okay, well, he's gonna either die or be one of the few survivors. He's just fucking gone. Yeah. He just disappears. My next bad is uh, not even the cleavage of Marsha Hunt and Carolyn Monroe can save the perpetual annoyance that is the black mass oh that was so and and shitty renfield trying to be diabolical like we invoke this we invoke belfagor bahamut astaroth and while he's saying that he's telling the kids like dig it kids let it go let it go and i'm just i'm just i'm waiting for him to sing do you want to raise a vampire He's he's trying to he's he's going for that seventies aesthetic, but but it's still very throwback to the sixties. It's still too early in the decade, I guess. Oh, because awful. this clearly this was written in the seventies by old men who clearly thought the sixties were still happening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what's your next bad? Um, it's pretty much. Every character's inability to lie effectively. <laughs> um, that that you know Johnny should have been Renfield. He he tells you know he's supposed to be this diabolical mastermind, but he tells the worst lies about like what happened to Laura. It, you know he can't even get her hometown right. Oh, I sent her off on the train to ramstead or whatever but she comes from this other town it i mean he can't even they get, catch him in the lie and basic. they just fucking buy it yeah it, it was so basic and then also stephanie beecham's character you know her inability to lie when they question her she she just uh, again suspects th- this all sort of ties in with her grandfather why isn't he a suspect because she's so bad at lying she she makes herself sound like she might have more to do with it than she actually does because her lies about when she it's so bad until she finally breaks down with the story that sounds equally ridiculous. Uh, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> My next bad is most of Dracula's ashes were by the carriage crash site. So why is his body resurrected with a couple of sprinkles from a vial? When, you know, the bulk of his ashes would still be by the tree where the carriage crashed. That's where most of him is. Well, and... Like, I, I understand. And, and then he took, like, some of him and, like, put blood in a cup. So he, so his body parts are... His ashes are in three separate places. 
You and had to get to the churchyard why, with the stake still in. Like, I, that never. Why? Yeah, that didn't why make any sense. Why was the carriage, why was the carriage spoke stabbed into his ashes? Why is the instrument that killed him necessary to be plunged into his gra- into the ashes? If his body reforms, it's going to be reformed with the stake in it. You already killed the fucker again. He's just going to be brought back and killed. That's like reviving somebody, raising someone from the dead and forgetting to disinter them first. And it's like, yes, I resurrected my dead father, and now, oh, wait, he suffocated in his coffin because he's still six feet under the ground. And and why did um, wannabe Renfield, why did he even bother, you know, he was the one that cleaned it up in the beginning. I, I, why did he not clean it all up or why did he leave the stake there or put the stake there i'm still not exactly sure how all this managed to get into the churchyard because that was in another location i mean it was close by but it still wasn't exactly that spot yeah it's not like they just moved the court it's not like they just moved the corpse up like three uh like three feet or three three blocks over. Yeah, and who... It's like, this is a tree in a park, and yeah. this is a church far away somewhere else. Yeah, who would do that? Again, if you have to move Dracula's ashes, you think he'd be getting, like, buckets of ashes to transport, like, the bulk of his body. Why is only a few... If only a few sprinkles are necessary, why wasn't he raised by the tree where the carriage crashed a hundred years ago? Yeah, and why wouldn't they put it in a cool urn? Well, I guess it had something to do with the exact 100 years or... Some shit yeah, with it the blood been, it of, could have the, been pre- of the It could have descendant. been an urn in it could have been an urn in Johnny's house, which he then brings to the Black Mass and sprinkles outside afterwards. It should have been in their family possession. Yeah, and, and I just realized that why so so I thought to myself that it had to be with the descendant, but she ended up running away. They didn't use her anyway, because she ran away from the whole thing. You know, it was supposed to be her, but she... So, they didn't actually need her anyway. Yeah, because it was Johnny's blood, not, like, not even uh, Jesse. Like, Laura, who's laying on the slab, she doesn't do anything. She just lays down. Johnny uses his blood from the ashes, so he invokes the mass, and he doesn't need anybody there except for Laura to be a snack. I get... Yeah, it... it, Yeah, so, so Jessica Van Helsing was needed for this... But then she ended up not being needed for it. So that's another bad. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody knows uh, how this ritual is supposed to go, apparently. Yeah. And Laura just freaking out, begging for help because she got like some blood on her. She's like, ah, help me, help me. Like, you didn't break your leg getting off that, that altar. Like, get your ass up and run outside like everyone else. Also, we have the heaving ground when Dracula is being resurrected. We see like the ground heaving, and I'm like, "Oh, great! We're going to see him come out of the soil." No, no hand comes out of the dirt. Even in Brides of Dracula, we had a hand coming out of the dirt, and it looked good. But there is no emerging from the soil. The dirt goes up and down, even though vampires are supposed to not breathe. And the dirt heaves, and then we see some fog, and he walks through the fog. It's pretty fucking lame as far as resur- as far as evil resurrections go. I'd love to see the cut footage from this. I I wonder if they had you know better ideas that just somehow didn't work on camera. Then when they looked at, it, oh, that doesn't work. Just just cut to the fog. Cut to the fog. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your next bad? The running water. That's all it takes to to kill a vampire. What well, what is that? 
That is, and and so that means Dracula smells real bad. I mean, he can't ever take <laughs> yeah. a shower. Just running water. It's so convenient, you know. Or he has to bathe in muddy water. <laughs> or, yeah, still water. I guess he could take a bath. You just can't turn on the faucet while you're in there. Can't wash your hands. I, I don't I don't get the running. I mean, I understand the holy water concept with the vampires, but just any old running water, that tap water, modern chlorinated tap water i've got a whole rant about that in a, in a minute or two um my next bet is yeah we already talked about how he uses a uh, basically a kool-aid capsule and he and he tricks everybody it's like hey you know that thick viscous red fluid that was you know very blood-like and now i'm going to show you this this bottle of freshy like that works yeah everybody's just stupid yeah and when uh when like Dracula, he bites Laura. He feeds on her, and I'm like, okay, he's going to be feeding on people until he gets to Jessica. But it's like as soon as he's bitten Laura, now he only wants Jessica because when he sees Gainer be, uh, being brought to him, and she's been she's been doped up. She's like staggering all over. She's been smoking drugs and like hair. Like who knows what she's been doing? It's been weed and some other shit. She's 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 out to lunch. And when Dracula sees her, he goes, she is not the one. It's like, listen, Fangs, Laura wasn't the one either, but you still drained her. Was she a one-bite stand? <laughs> or was there a uh, another reason? Okay, I've seen Blackula. I know what Dracula thinks of people like her. And so does Mama Walda. Did you ever see Blackula? I did, but it's been many years. I saw it recently. That's It's... It's great in some spots. And, but when we see Dracula, he's, because Dracula, this is back when Dracula was like a public figure. He was like the, the leader of Transylvania and uh, like a big key figure in Europe. And uh, Prince Mamawalda from Africa, I forget which area specifically, he goes to Dracula to uh, set up trade and cultural exchanges and, you know, basically like strength and cultural ties between Europe and Africa on the condition that the slave trade is denounced by Dracula who holds sway and Dracula is just like eh, slave trade is pretty damn good and he's like cultural exchange science technology like <laughs> there's a lot going on here just don't treat us like property and Dracula is just like I got a better idea how about I just turn you into a vampire and give you the most unoriginal change of my name simply because the only thing i know about you is that you're black so i shall give you my name and put black in front of it and then i'll seal you in a coffin for about 400 years yeah that sounds like another great one it, it the movie once this movie takes place and it follows mama walda it's good like the way he interacts with people yeah, it, I, I don't remember hating it but i really can't remember it i know i saw it and i and i don't remember hating it it's a of course it's, i don't remember hating this movie it's another 70s movie so yeah you know, you know you may think oh no but it's it's definitely got better characters that interact with each other show more personality it's got better written characters in it yeah well i don't know what i i, I guess and this would be just yet another bad what his obsession with Jessica Van Helsing was anyway, because they never really said, uh, other than just sort of like, 
oh, I killed your granddaughter and now I'm going to kill you. Like, I'm just going to make it worse. They, they never really explained what it was she was going to do that was going to... He just wants the bloodline gone. They've been a thorn in his side. Okay. So he just wants them fucking gone. It's just that petty. It's that yeah. pointless. He, he just... Well, then, you know, and then she... So, so uh, what's her name? Just ended up being, you know, dinner, a snack, like the rest of them. <laughs> uh my next couple of bats are just going to be a bunch of micro rants. <laughs> so, fair warning. Go for it. The first is the running water. I can't get out of a bathtub. Like, he gets hit with sunlight. Uh, Alucard gets hit with sunlight, whether directly through windows or mirror reflections of sunlight. He doesn't even smoke. He's just like, ah! And he gets <laughs> driven into the bathtub. I fucking hate this movie for ruining something beautiful that lasted over a decade. Because when this vampire is destroyed, he he looks like he's in a Bukkake video. <laughs> or a Bathkake video, I suppose. Now, see, if this, vid- if, this, if this scene was written by an intelligent person, here's how Alucard's death would have gone. Helsing would be in Johnny's flat, waiting in the bathroom. Johnny comes in. Helsing lures him up there, like... He just, like, gets his attention. He walks up to him thinking, oh, he's trapped in this room. Alucard thinks, I've got him. He's got no way out of this room. I fucking got him. And then Helsing starts giving orders, like, he's in charge. And he says, like, give me Jessica's location or I'm going to drown you in that tub. Johnny would laugh and say, like, breathing ain't a concern, man. And then Helsing just bends him over to waterboard him in the tub, which boils the face off him, and Johnny's surprised, but the last thing he sees before losing his eyes is a flask of holy water at the bottom of the tub. Yeah, that would have made sense. And then this is showing us that this Van Helsing is using modern tools and scenarios with ancient methods to prove that he is a smarter more refined hunter than his ancestors, that the knowledge that has been passed down through centuries has been built upon and modified, not just like, hey, here's some hundred-year-old wisdom, and we've been following this hundred-year-old wisdom. Add new stuff to it to show that he is every bit the hunter his father was who adapted to the best technology at the, of the time. Not crazy shit like a repeating crossbow like the other Van Helsing movie, but, you know... Just show that he is adapted with the times, or at least come up with his own ideas. But no, it's just, I'm going to turn, he's going to let Alucard fuck up, turn on his own shower, like, uh, what, what, uh, like some Laurel and Hardy pratfall shit, and he's going to let him take himself out. Like, this, this, basically, this guy dies the way that you've seen, like, Donald Duck or Goofy fuck up. Yep. <sighs> You mean, uh, yup. So. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so what's your next bad? Uh, that's pretty much, I I think I've exhausted my list. It's, it's, (laughs) because it's so all-encompassing bad. Like, picking out one little thing. There's cheesy bads in movies, which can be like, even though they're bads, they still overall don't really take away from the movie, but it's not just the frequency of the bads. It's the fact that there is so much wasted opportunity or, like, weak-ass attempts to be good. It's like they just thought, wouldn't they be good if this was good? And it's like, it clearly, they had a goal. They never had a plan. 
Yeah. There there were a few scenes I remember where, that were supposed to be night. Um, and you could see the sunlight. Like, they weren't doing a very good job of... <laughs> That's happened in a lot of Hammer movies, where it's like, this is clearly late afternoon, and you're trying to tell me this is, like, nearly midnight. Yeah, it was, it was very bad. <laughs> I understand you need lighting, and spotlights would look fake, but, you know, adapt. Yeah, it wasn't even the, you know, that it was just brighter than it should have been. Like, you, you could see the stream of sunlight coming down through the trees in the distance. Like, clearly, <laughs> it's day. Ah, okay. So that I guess I'll have my towards the beginning. I, I, but that scene was so good. I, I it was one of my original bads, and then I just sort of like shoved it off the list because it's then the just, rest of the movie just happened. Overall, too good. <laughs> yeah, that it's scene just, was the only good, good part. I couldn't let it be ruined. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I was watching this thinking, like, man, this is great. The way they're struggling, like wailing on each other, like this is some real intense shit. And I can see beams of sunlight piercing the leaves of the trees and dracula should be fucking dead yeah but i love but if you follow closely you will see shadows like the shadow of the carriage and it's always like far longer than the carriage is so clearly they didn't want sunlight to be shining on dracula because that would have been too much so obviously this carriage had a wall put behind dracula because that wall follows the carriage but it's much longer than the carriage should be so they clearly had a barricade simply to stop the sunlight from shining on Christopher Lee as this carriage is plowing through a park in the middle of the day. <laughs> but oh, it, it, it's forgiven. It's one of the few cases that you see you can forgive it. It was such a such an original, you know, the, the spoke wagon, and it got both of them. That was just such a cool, it, it really it really set the movie up to, to yeah. let you down. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh, so my next mini rant was when he says you would play your brains against mine, who has commanded nations. You know what? I understand you're limited by budget, especially when you're in like the, the declining era of the studio. But if you're going to use a line like that, I really would have fucking liked to see that. Dracula in his prime, commanding legions, waging war. Even if you're not going to have like big epic battle scenes with with thousands of extras clashing swords, like have him in a room of lords saying like expand the Turkish border or, you know, pull our troops back from Prussia, like have him commanding nations. Yeah. I mean, even if he's sending letters, like have him be like an imposing political force. Because if he commanded nations, how the fuck did a doddering old professor get past his nations, his armies, his bodyguards, and get him onto a coach in the first place? Where are the brilliant tactics of a conqueror? If he's supposed to, even if you're not going to have big battle scenes, at least show that he is a brilliant tactician capable of commanding these nations. Have him run circles around Van Helsing until Van Helsing finally outsmarts him. Like, I want to see this powerhouse that that old Van Helsing would have to struggle to overcome just to show how capable and unique this family line is. Even if it's just a quick pan to his legions being in shambles, all burned and dead. Make it a painting background if you want to be cheap. You can show Helsing leading a an army, or at least like what's left of our army, like a squad against his castle and facing the bastard down before he escapes. And then they both die in battle, and then all of his ashes would get picked up by the disciple, who also takes like a ton of Dracula's valuables to keep to make sure his family retains wealth so that they can, you know, afford to wait properly for the right conditions of the sacrifice. 
Like, or even better, have the disciple be a vampire who was like duty bound to his Lord. Because that would be fucking great if the old disciple turns out to be Johnny. Because think about Johnny as he is. You're carrying out what your great grandfather's rituals like your grandfather told you one day you're going to perform a sacrifice and resurrect this this dark lord we've been uh we've been presiding over like why like jessica didn't believe her dad why would johnny believe his grandfather like oh yeah i'm gonna lure my i'm gonna make some friends lure them into a sacrifice yeah i'm gonna have a vampire at my command that's gonna be great thanks grandpa it's like why does he do this shit why does johnny do any shit it would only make sense if he was a, a, a bound vampire at his master's command. Like Dracula just said, before I go, you will do this. It will con- it, You will do this, and maybe I'll give you life. But like, like having immortality, but it's not your life. You're, you're just yeah. living in service of this guy. You know, something that he could regret later and betray Dracula... Like, now that I've done my command, now I'm free to think and act again. Like, it, it, it just could have done something better with Johnny. Yeah, well, he was awful. Like, just the idea of, like, that this guy's just, like, handing this vial down to his family and everyone's just like, yeah, we're going to serve evil. That's fucking great. Okay, sure. I'll, no questions, Grandpa. No questions, Dad. I'll just do it. Well, that sounds like a typical religion. Yeah, the family's clearly like Johnny's pad is fucking resplendent. He's got money. What does he need a fucking vampire for? He's already set. He's got family money, which is never explained. Again, it would make sense if they stole like Dracula's shit while the castle's being burned. They're selling his relics and shit, and that's what keeps the family in, in with money. In which case, why the hell would you bring him back? <laughs> Yeah. I think Dracula's going to be like, bring me my astrolabe. Uh, yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah. I guess he wanted. <laughs> That's on a pawn shop. Sorry. The only thing I could think of is that uh, he wanted immortality. And he thought, you know, Dracula could give him that. Again, it would have made sense if Dracula already did. Yeah, I guess maybe, you know, maybe. But of course, they should have told this story if this is what it was. Uh, you know, the the next generation didn't want anything to do with it. And then, you know, 1972 Johnny discovers the family mission that they've abandoned and decides, yeah, that sounds cool. That'll piss my parents off. And and maybe I'll get some immortality out of it or whatever. You know, he, yeah. he doesn't really know what it is he's getting himself into. Think about this. If this is the promise to the Alucard family, whoever raises me will get immortality. Where's Johnny's dad? Yeah. You think Johnny's dad, he would be like, what, 45, 50? Not too old. He wouldn't be decrepit. He'd still be like, hey, I want to be like a swarthy, you know, 45 silver fox for eternity. Like, come on. Come on, son. Let's do this together. Why the fuck is Johnny doing this alone? There are so many questions raised by this stupidity. It would only work if Johnny was operating alone because he is a vampire who's only been consumed with this one command. And now that it's done, now he can think for himself. Right. And in which case, why isn't he Renfield? Why is his name Alucard? Why isn't he just Renfield? Yeah. Another bad concept is Dracula. He's in the 70s and he stays in the fucking church. There was such a missed opportunity. Like the fucking point of him being in the 70s is for him to wander around, be culture shocked, get hit by a fucking car because he doesn't know what they are. Yeah. Discovering music, radio, electricity. 
you know, when he bites the cokehead, I wanted to see him, like, wander around tripping balls for a night, like, threatening to wipe out the Ottomans. And then people are just like, listen, man, you're, like, 50 years too old for that. That empire is gone. Like, b- being told about World Wars, thinking, like, man, I wish I was there for that. Like, there's so much you could do with a man out of time trying to reconcile his place in a world that's passed him by, and nothing Absolutely nothing was done with it. The whole era, hell, even the fucking title does not matter. And that's the biggest bad of all, the waste. It's like setting up a kitchen to make a great meal and then finding out, oh, we've ordered pizza instead. Like, you take the characters, you could just make them the original Van Helsing's grandkids, make it Dracula 1900 instead of 1972, instead of this great-great-grandson bullshit which they call a great-grandfather because they can't bother doing math. If you're not going to have him be floored by the change of the world, then why are you letting the world be changed? You could just have them be 1900s kids because then the technology is the same. There's still carriages and shit. Maybe, like, like not every place is going to have telegraphs and phones, so that's fine. It, it just It's not in that part of the world. You can get away with that. There's so much happening in the middle of London, and Dracula's not like, what is this? What have I missed? He Nothing fucking matters. Yeah, it certainly would have helped with the lag, because that movie got so boring in so many places. Uh, a man out of time. Like, it would have been so fucking great. He gets out there, he maybe meets somebody, he's just like, wow, things have really changed a lot, or, you know, things have gotten better, things have gotten worse. Like, he doesn't even fucking ask what year it is. It's, like, the whole fact that it's a 1970s does not matter. Uh, my next bad. Uh, I'm sorry for these rants. It's, this movie's just got so many problems. Oh, I know. <laughs> the asterisk that I was talking about before, because... Peter Cushing as Lawrence Van Helsing was fucking great. Peter Cushing as Lorimer Van Helsing, sadly, just as good. And that's the problem. He's the same character. There is nothing indicating that he is a separate person who has had his own life, his own story, his own struggles with the family legacy. That he's just taking all these family things on faith. That he has never had a crisis of faith like, he's never seen vampires. His dad has not seen a vampire. His grandfather has not seen... He he claims his grandfather, but again, the math doesn't add up. So we're going to say, like, great-great-grandfather. There's been, like, a hundred years of Van Helsing's not fighting any vampires. So why the fuck does he believe this? He's just born ready. He stays ready his entire life for something that may never happen. And why hasn't anybody in this family added to the family lore? With other vampire detecting methods, other vampire fighting tools, incorporating technology, like even something stupid like a wooden bullet. Or something. Like, technology changed drastically over the last hundred years, and there's no additions. Not even like a bow and arrow with like a little holy water capsule in the head. Nothing has been added at all. Again, he doesn't even put holy water in Johnny Alucard's bathtub to drown him in it. It, there's no science, no chemistry, no technology added to the Van Helsing repertoire. It's like everybody just fucking stopped learning or teaching new shit after 1875 in this family. And 
Jessica, she treats it like it's his hobby, not like it's her family legacy. She's not trained, she's not instructed, he's not sharing any, any of the family lore with her. If they're supposed to be so close that she's living with him, she doesn't need to be his apprentice, but she should at least have knowledge, even if she doesn't believe it. It should still be stuff that's been told to her over the two decades of her life. It could cause friction between her and her grandpa because she knows the story, she just doesn't believe them until she sees a vampire, then she has to kill Bob, using the knowledge that her grandpa told her, and that he she accepts, oh, grandpa was right. Like, the characters from top to bottom are thinner than the paper they're barely written on. Nobody has any character traits. Alucard is a sociopath to his friends, and Jessica is a straight edge. It's, you can't even have her uh, smoke dope or drink or do anything because of Van Helsing with character flaws would just be too complex for this movie. She's the goody-goody of the group because she's a Van Helsing. She has to be good. Ugh, end rant. <laughs> uh, anything you want to add? Uh, no, I think, we, I think we covered that disaster pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and then uh, final selection, uh, final category is what the fucks. Did anything like just stand out, not make sense, or like just detract from the movie without being like a part of the movie? Like just a scene or a moment that just made you go, what the fuck? Well, that's difficult to find in this movie since most of them were like that. But probably <laughs> that god-awful band in the beginning. It really just threw me out of the whole thing. I was, what the? Ugh. That was awful. Why is they there? Oh, you rented a band. You think as soon as they start setting up the equipment and they've got 10 people there, that the people would be like, no, like there's been a miscommunication. Get out. And why? This is where a lot of the lag was. There was a lot of just watching them play like it was a concert when we could have Two songs. Been, yeah. Not, we didn't need all not that. Not even one musical number. Two. You, 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 you just, you, you pan to them for a chorus for a minute and you, they're in the background and that's it that's why i said they've got to be a producer relation because that was just that was some kind of we're shoving this we're promoting this band <laughs> we're trying to make them famous here you go but they sucked i mean even for the 70s they sucked yeah i mean faces i i never heard of faces i heard of rod stewart so it, it's kind of it's kind of like the poor man's genesis uh, that I wouldn't even I wouldn't even put them in a, any category with Genesis. I wouldn't even put them in poor. They were just they were just a poor band. Period. Oh, well, because Genesis was the launching pad for Phil Collins. So yeah, but but like Genesis made music. This was just oh, noise. Yeah. Of great. <laughs> it was this... truly trash. This was oh. like generic seventies background. I was like, why the fuck did they have this band? It was so. Bad. I tried looking them up on Wikipedia. Their band members, there's like, they have like 20 band members. It's just like the polyphonic spree, but trash. Oh, yeah, that was the, I, I, it just took me out of the whole movie. I just, I knew, I knew I'd made a mistake. As soon as, I, as soon as they started playing, I thought, oh God, what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> My what the fuck was, did Dracula suck the black out of Marsha Hunt? Because when we see her body on the floor, it looks like not only has she been drained of blood, so she should be a little paler. I get that. She looks like she's been coated with flour. I didn't notice that. Hmm. I'd, I'd go back and look, but I really don't want to. I, I don't want to watch anymore again. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It, it's bad. She does not look like 
like a woman of color who's been drained of blood and should be, you know, noticeably paler. She looks like she looks like she's in makeup to be a ghost. Huh. It's it's bad. I I I believe that, but I just I missed that. Huh. Now we'll uh, we'll take it to the kill of the week. And my kill, I think you and I may have the same kill because there's nothing else here that's I'm, any fucking good. I'm sure we do. Dracula and Van Helsing dueling it out on the carriage and wiping each other out. Absolutely. The movie peaked in the first five minutes, and this was a great struggle between them and Dracula getting impaled with a fucking wagon wheel. I'm not sure how that would happen logistically, because the carriage would crash. That means Dracula, like a wheel would have to somehow break off and fly upwards towards the tree, even though it should be weighed down or fly off to the side from the carriage. Well, that's what kind of what made it so great. Not only did it get him, but it got Van Helsing as well. Uh, I don't I don't know about that. I'm not going to like outright disagree, but my understanding was that he just fought Dracula and he just like he just succumbed to injuries and stress due to his age and being knocked around, concussed. I think, like, Dracula did, like, rush up to him, like, grab him, like, try to strangle him, but then, like, Cushion got him on the ground and, like, pushed the thing into him. I thought he just succumbed to the stress I, of the battle. Hmm. That, that might have to look again, because I, I thought that it had got them both, because I thought that was really cool, but you, you could be right. Well, the crash would have definitely knocked him around and broke some bones. So I'm just, like, it's not like, ooh, I got into a fight and now it's too much for my heart. Like, his body took a fucking beating from that battle. I'm I'm just gonna, I just thought that it was like, all those injuries combined and the stress of his age was is what dropped him. Oh, I seem to recall that it was the, the wheel was sort of sticking out of him as well. They were sort of like locked in with the wheel. But maybe I'm remembering that wrong. I mean, maybe when he pushed it down into Dracula, Dracula pulls him down and he gets stabbed with it. Yeah, too. I think it that's, could be. yeah, I think that's when it, it was, yeah. I think that's how it went. Yeah, so, and I guess that's your kill, too? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, even though this is an audio podcast, I just want to say for the video, uh, Michelle is wearing like a, uh, uh, a Boris Karloff bat. <laughs> oh, this is my, my Lily Munster bat. Oh, a Lily Munster bat. Yep. Okay. It looked like the Boris Karloff style bat. It, yeah, I guess it kind of does. You just have to have the wings on like cheap strings and like just like <laughs> pull them up and down and make them flap. Yeah. So for my rating, I'm going to give this two unconvincing blood capsules out of five. Because there is so much wasted opportunity and terrible acting by several people except the veterans of this franchise. And even the good acted characters are not well written. Scenes play out way too long, like the Black Mass, the Party, just to name the, the two biggest offenders. It does have some good moments, even a great moment or two, but it forsakes the timeline of the previous films. Uh, they were, frankly, much better films. Uh, this proved that Hammer was sliding inescapably into mediocrity, which was finalized in the Satanic Rites of Dracula. Which, uh, in which Dracula's final death in Hammer lore is dying by a fucking bush. Which is possibly a worse movie than this. We'll have to see. <laughs> Do we have to? I don't know if I want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> you could choose one of the better Hammer films. We've already covered, uh, 
We covered Brides of Dracula, which was also a surprise. I'm not going to say it's a stinker in this league, but even compared to the other Dracula movies, it's bad because there's no Dracula and there's no Brides. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm sure there's also uh, a factor of when you're a little kid and this stuff is new, newer, I mean, new to you. And I'm, yeah. I mean, I, I was born in the 70s, but so I guess it wasn't that old at the time. But I, I just, I think it all seems better when you're younger. And then after you've seen good <laughs> movies, you get older, you're like, ah, oh, God, what did I do? <laughs> yeah, there's so many things that don't hold up. Yeah. Like, I remember growing up thinking, like, oh, yeah, Hammer movies, Hammer equals quality. Yes. And I did review the Dracula 1958 on this show, and it's still in one of my top threes. It's still a fucking classic. Uh, Christine, Fright Night. These movies still hold up years oh, yeah. later. Those do. But then I saw Brides of Dracula, and I'm like, wow, I'm really feeling the absence of Dracula in this movie. And the brides, there aren't even brides. He's trying to pursue one girl, maybe talk about marrying her, but the other girls. At best, this should at best that movie should have been called the side pieces of Baron Munster. <laughs> because that's all they are. He didn't marry the other girls. They're not his brides. Like none of these words fucking apply. <laughs> there's no brides, there's no Dracula. I thought it was cool that Helsing kills him with a fucking windmill. Not a piece of a windmill through his heart, but the entire fucking windmill being crucifix in the moonlight. <laughs> I'm like, okay, because it's you. Uh, if other people tried to be like, oh, I'm going to make like a crucifix out of like uh, some forks or shit. No, only Peter Cushing can grab a pair of candlesticks, make a crucifix and be like, yes, I accept this. He makes a he makes a silhouette of the moon into a uh, into a cross using a fucking windmill. It works. I'm like okay, good, uh, all right. But I'm gonna have to see the other movies to see if they held up. I remember one movie. I don't know if it was a a hammer one or not. But uh, they do a black mass and they summon a legion of bats to kill uh, a bunch of vampires. That sounds familiar. I think I've seen Orig that too. I think sure Hammer did. did do that because that was supposed to be the original script for Brides of Dracula, where Van Helsing, uh, because there's too many vampires for him to deal with, he summons a black mass. And Peter Cushing said no, because Van Helsing would never resort to the black arts. So, yeah, it had to be someone else who did, who, uh, did the black mass scene. So, yeah... Hammer movies, hit and miss, just like with a real hammer, because when it miss, it hurts. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Good analogy. So, that's our coverage. I hope you enjoyed it better than we enjoyed watching this movie. I certainly had a lot of fun. You were a lot of fun. Oh, thank you. Yes, this, this was a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. Oh, very much. And if you want to choose a... A, a ostensibly better movie you're welcome back anytime okay <laughs> thank you so michelle where can people find you um i'm on well i guess i but there's so many social medias now i i'm on the standard ones that i think the kids have more that i don't know about but i'm on facebook and instagram um i'm author michelle bowser on facebook you can find me there. And I'm at Burning Bulb Productions, Burning Bulb Publishing. You can find 
I work there. Okay, and uh, we'll be sure to include notes, uh, links in the show notes. So if you're listening to this podcast, there's a good chance you can just find her with a simple click or a tap, depending on your device. Uh, we'll make sure that you find her. Well, I guess that's it. Mediocre movie. I mean, if you just want to complete that your Hammer viewing experience, I guess it's there. But just just know that like the, it's in the declining years of Hammer. Because Hammer just did one more movie, The Satanic Rites of Dracula. And that was a sequel to this movie. Again, why? I don't... Like, they just figured, like, the studio's dying. There's no point starting over or trying to, trying to do good. But uh, until, uh, until next time... I'm Mike. And I'm Michelle. And thank you for joining us on The Graveyard Shift. The Graveyard Shift is a Strange Biscuits production. Visit our website at strangebiscuits.com slash graveyardshift to hear all of our previous episodes. Subscribe to us, rate, and review us on CastBox, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, and Spotify. And don't forget to check out our Instagram at The Graveyard Shift Pod, as well as our Facebook at The Graveyard Shift Pod. Our Twitter is GS underscore Horror Pod. And if you wish to support the show financially, visit us at patreon.com slash graveyard. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help support the show and get bonus content. The theme for The Graveyard Shift is As Brutal As It Ever Was by Technoaxe. Visit their website at technoaxe.com and their YouTube channel for more royalty-free music. Thank you for listening, and as always, stay spooky. Ha 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 